Chapter Twenty Six of Indian Fairy Tales. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nikki Five Zero Four. Indian Fairy Tales by Joseph Jacobs. The Ivory city and its fairy princess one day a young prince was out practicing archery with the son of his father's chief vizier when one of the arrows accidentally struck the wife of a merchant who was walking about in an upper room of a house close by the prince aimed at the bird that was perched on the window-sill of that room and had not the slightest idea that anybody was at hand, or he would not have shot in that direction. Consequently, not knowing what had happened, he and the vizier's son walked away, the vizier's son shaving him because he had missed the bird. Presently, the merchant went to ask his wife about something, and found her lying to all appearance dead in the middle of the room and an arrow fixed in the ground within half a yard of her head supposing that she was dead he rushed to the window and shrieked thieves thieves they have killed my wife the neighbors quickly gathered and the servants came running upstairs to see what was the matter it happened that the woman had fainted and that there was only a very slight wound in her breast where the arrow had grazed as soon as the woman recovered her senses she told them that the two young men had passed by the place with their bows and arrows and that one of them had most deliberately aimed at her as she stood by the window on hearing this the merchant went to the king and told him what had taken place his majesty was much enraged at such audacious wickedness and swore that most terrible punishment should be visited on the offender if he could be discovered he ordered the merchant to go back and ascertain whether his wife could recognize the young man if she saw them again oh yes replied the woman I should know them again among all the people in the city. Then, said the king, when the merchant brought back this reply, Tomorrow I will cause all the male inhabitants of this city to pass before your house, and your wife will stand at the window and watch for the man who did this wanton deed. A royal proclamation was issued to this effect. So the next day, all the men and boys of the city, from the age of ten years upwards, assembled and marched by the house of the merchant, by chance, for they both had been excused from obeying this order. The king's son and the vizier's son were also in the company and passed by in the crowd. They came to see the Tamasha as soon as these two appeared in front of the merchant's window 
they were recognized by the merchant's wife and at once reported to the king my own son and the son of the chief vizier's exclaimed the king who had been present from the commencement what examples for the people let them both be executed not so your majesty said the vizier i beseech you let the facts of the case be thoroughly investigated how is it he continued turning to the young men why have you done this cruel thing i shot an arrow at a bird that was sitting on the sill of an open window in yonder house and missed answered the prince i suppose the arrow struck the merchant's wife had i known that she or anybody had been near i should have not shot in that direction we will speak of this later on said the king on hearing this answer dismiss the people their presence is no longer needed in the evening his majesty and the vizier had a long and earnest talk about their two sons the king wished both of them to be executed but the vizier suggested that the prince should be banished from the country this was finally agreed to accordingly on the following morning a little company of soldiers escorted the prince out of the city when they reached the last custom house the vizier's son overtook them he had come with all haste bringing with him four bags of murders and four horses i am come he said throwing his arms round the prince's neck because i cannot let you go alone we have lived together we will be exiled together and we will die together turn me not back if you love me consider the prince answered what you are doing all kinds of trial may be before me why should you leave your home and country to be with me because i love you he said and shall never be happy without you so the two friends walked along hand in hand as fast as they could to get out of the country and behind them marched the soldiers and the horses with their valuable burdens on reaching a place on the borders of the king's dominions the prince gave the soldiers some gold and ordered them to return the soldiers took the money and left they did not however go very far but hid themselves behind rocks and stones and waited till they were quite sure that the prince did not intend to come back on and on the exiles walked till they arrived at a certain village where they determined to spend the night under one of the big trees of the place the prince made preparations for a fire and arranged the few articles of bedding that they had with them while the vizier's son went to the bania and the baker and the butcher to get something for their dinner for some reason he was delayed perhaps the suit was not quite ready or the bania had not got all the spices prepared after waiting half an hour the patient became impatient and rose up and walked about he saw a pretty clear little brook running along not far from the resting place 
and hearing that its source was not far distant, he started off to find it. The source was a beautiful lake, which at the time was covered with the magnificent lotus flower and other water plants. The prince sat down on the bank, and being thirsty, took up some of the water in his hand. Fortunately, he looked into his hand before drinking, and there, to his great astonishment, he saw reflected whole and clear the image of a beautiful fairy. He looked round, hoping to see the reality, but seeing no person, he drank the water and put out his hand to take some more. Again, he saw the reflection in the water which was in his palm. He looked around as before, and this time discovered a fairy sitting by the bank on the opposite side of the lake. On seeing her, he fell so madly in love with her that he dropped down in a swoon. When the vizier's son returned and found the fire lighted, the horses securely fastened, and the bags of myrrh lying altogether in a heap, but no prince, he did not know what to think. He waited a little while, and then shouted, but not getting any reply. He got up and went to the brook. There he came across the footmarks of his friend. Seeing these, he went back at once for the money and the horses, and bringing them with him, he tracked the prince to the lake, where he found him lying to all appearance dead. At last! At last! he cried, and lifting up the prince, he poured some water over his head and face. At last! My brother, what is this? Oh, do not die and leave me thus. Speak! Speak! I cannot bear this! In a few minutes, the prince, revived by the water, opened his eyes and looked about wildly. Thank God! exclaimed the vizier's son. But what is this matter, brother? Go away, replied the prince. I don't want to say anything to you or see you. Go away. Come, come, let us leave this place. Look, I have brought some food for you, and horses, and everything. Let us eat and depart. Go alone, replied the prince. Never, said the vizier's son. What has happened to suddenly estrange you from me? A little while ago we were Breton. Now you detest the sight of me. I have looked upon a fairy, the prince said. But the moment I saw her face, for when she noticed that I was looking at her, she covered her face with lotus petals. Oh, how beautiful she was! And while I gazed, she took out of her bosom an ivory box and held it up to me. Then I fainted. Oh, if you can get me that fairy for my wife, I will go anywhere with you. Oh, brother, said the vizier's son, you have indeed seen a fairy. She is a fairy of the fairies. This is none other than Gulliser of the Ivory City. I know this from the signs that she gave you, from her covering her face with lotus petals, I learned her name, and from her showing you the ivory box, I learned where she lives. 
be patient and rest assured that I arrange your marriage with her. When the prince heard these encouraging words, he felt much comforted, rose up and ate, and then went away gladly with his friend. On the way they met two men. These two men belonged to a family of robbers. There were eleven of them altogether. One, an elder sister, stayed at home and cooked the food, and the other ten, all brothers, went out two and two, and walked about the four different ways that ran through that part of the country, robbing those travelers who could not resist them, and inviting others who were too powerful for two of them to manage to come and rest at their home, where the whole family attacked them and stole their goods. These thieves live in a kind of tower which had several strong rooms in it, and under it was a great pit, wherein they threw the corpses of the poor unfortunates who chanced to fall into their power. The two men came forward, and, politely accosting them, begged them to come and stay at their house for the night. It is late, they said, and there is not another village within several miles. Shall we accept this good man's invitation, brother? asked the prince. The vizier's son frowned slightly in token of disapproval. But the prince was tired, and thinking that it was only a whim of his friends, he said to the men, Very well, it is very kind of you to ask us. So they all four went to the robber's tower, seated in a room, with the door fastened on the outside. The two travelers bemoaned their fate. It is no good groaning, said the vizier's son. I will climb to the window and see whether there are any means of escape. Yes, yes, he whispered when he had reached the window hole. Below there is a ditch surrounded by a high wall. I will jump down and reconnoiter. You stay here and wait till I return. Presently he came back and told the prince that he had seen a most ugly woman, whom he supposed was the robber's housekeeper. She had agreed to release them on the promise of a marriage with the prince. So the woman led the way out of the enclosure by a secret door. But where are the horses and the goods? the vizier's son inquired. You cannot bring them, the woman said. To go out by any other way would be to thrust oneself into the grave. All right, then. They also shall go out by this door. I have a charm, whereby I can make them thin or fat. So the vizier's son fetched the horses without any person knowing it, and repeating the charm, he made them pass through the narrow doorway like pieces of cloth, and when they were all outside restored them to their formal condition. He at once mounted his horse, and laid hold of the halter of one of the other horses, and then beckoning to the prince to do likewise. He rode off. The prince saw his opportunity, and in a moment was riding after him, having the woman behind him.
now the robbers heard the galloping of the horses and ran out and shot their arrows at the prince and his companions and one of the arrows killed the woman so they had to leave her behind on on they rode until they reached a village where they stayed the night the following morning they were off again and asked for the ivory city from every passer-by at length they came to this famous city and put up a little hut that belonged to an old woman from whom they feared no harm and with whom therefore they could abide in peace and comfort at first the old woman did not like the idea of these travellers staying in her house but the sight of a myrrh which the prince dropped in the bottom of a cup in which she had given him water and a present of another myrrh from the vizier's son quickly made her change her mind she agreed to let them stay there for a few days as soon as her work was over the old woman came and sat down with her lodgers the vizier's son pretended to be utterly ignorant of the place and people has this city a name he asked the old woman of course it has you stupid every little village much more a city and such a city as this has a name what is the name of the city ivory city don't you know that i thought the name was known all over the world on the mention of the name ivory city the prince gave a deep sigh the vizier's son looked as much as to say keep quiet or you will discover the secret is there a king of this country continued the vizier's son of course there is and a queen and a princess what are their names the name of the princess is Galazer, and the name of the queen the vizier's son interrupted the old woman by turning to look at the prince who was staring like a madman yes he said to him afterwards we are in the right country we shall see the beautiful princess one morning the two travellers noticed the old woman's most careful toilette how careful she was in the arrangement of her hair and the set of her kasaba and puts who is coming said the vizier's son nobody the old woman replied then where are you going i am going to see my daughter who is a servant of the princess Gulliser. i see her and the princess every day i should have gone yesterday if you had not been here and taken up all my time ah be careful not to say anything about us in the hearing of the princess the vizier's son asked her not to speak about them at the palace hoping that because she had been told not to do so she would mention their arrival and thus the princess would be informed of their coming on seeing her mother the girl pretended to be very angry why have you not been for two days she asked because my dear the old woman answered two young travellers a prince and a son of some great viziers 
have taken up their abode in my hut and demand so much of my attention it is nothing but cooking and cleaning and cleaning and cooking all day long i can't understand the men she added one of them especially appears very stupid he asked me the name of this country and the name of the king now where can these men have come from that they do not know these things however they are very great and very rich they each gave me a myrrh every morning and every evening after this the old woman went and repeated almost the same words to the princess on the hearing of which the princess beat her severely and threatened her with a severe punishment if she ever again spoke of the strangers before her in the evening when the old woman had returned to her hut she told the vizier's son how sorry she was that she could not help breaking her promise and how the princess had struck her because she mentioned their coming and all about them at last at last said the prince who had eagerly listened to every word what then will be her anger at the sight of a man anger said the vizier's son with an astonished air she would be exceedingly glad to see one man i know this in this treatment of the old woman i see her request that you will go and see her during the coming dark fortnight heaven be praised the prince exclaimed the next time the old woman went to the palace Gulliver called one of her servants and ordered her to rush into the room while she was conversing with the old woman and if the old woman asked what was the matter she was to say the king's elephants had gone mad and were rushing about the city and bazaar in every direction and destroying everything in their way the servant obeyed and the old woman fearing lest the elephants should go and push down her hut and kill the prince and his friend begged the princess to let her depart now Gulliver had obtained a charmed swing that landed whoever sat on it at the place wherever they wished to be get the swing she said to one of the servants standing by when it was brought she bade the old woman step into it and desire to be at home the old woman did so and was at once carried through the air quickly and safely to her hut where she found her two lodgers safe and sound oh she cried i thought that both of you would be killed by this time the royal elephants have got loose and are running about wildly when i heard this i was anxious about you so the princess gave me this charmed thing to return it but come let us get outside before the elephants arrive and batter down the place don't believe this said the vizier's son it is a mere hoax they have been playing tricks with you you will soon have your heart's desire he whispered aside to the prince these things are signs two days of the dark fortnight had elapsed when the prince and the vizier's son seated themselves in the swing and wished them within the grounds of the palace in a moment they were there and there was the object 
of their search standing by one of the palace gates and longing to see the prince quite as much as he was longing to see her oh what a happy meeting it was at last said gola sir i have seen my beloved my husband a thousand thanks to heaven for bringing me to you said the prince then the prince and Gulliser betrothed themselves to one another and parted the one for the hut and the other for the palace both of them feeling happier than they had ever been before henceforth the prince visited Gulliser every day and returned to the hut every night one morning Gulliser begged him to stay with her always. She was constantly afraid of some evil happening to him. Perhaps robbers would slay him, or sickness attack him, and then she would be deprived of him. She could not live without seeing him. The prince showed her that there was no real cause for fear, and said that he felt he ought to return to his friend at night, because he had left his home and country and risked his life for him and moreover if it had not been for his friend's help he would never have met with her gulliser for the time assented but she determined in her heart to get rid of the vizier's son as soon as possible a few days after this conversation she ordered one of her maids to make a pillow she gave special directions that a certain poison was to be mixed into it while cooking and as soon as it was ready the cover was to be placed on the saucepan so that the poisonous steam might not escape when the pillow was ready she sent it at once by the hand of a servant to the vizier's son with this message gulliser the princess sends you an offering in the name of her dead uncle on receiving the present the vizier's son thought that the prince had spoken gratefully of him to the princess and therefore she had thus remembered him accordingly he sent back his salam in expressions of thankfulness when it was dinner time he took the saucepan of pillow and went about to eat it by the stream taking off the lid he threw it aside on the grass and then washed his hands during the minute or so that he was performing these ablutions the green grass under the cover of the saucepan turned quite yellow he was astonished and suspecting that there was poison in the pillow he took a little and threw it to some crows that were hopping about the moment the crows ate what was thrown to them they fell down dead heaven be praised exclaimed the vizier's son who has preserved me from death at this time on the return of the prince that evening the vizier's son was reticent and depressed the prince noticed this change in him and asked what was the reason is it because i am away so much at the palace the vizier's son saw that the prince had nothing to do with the sending of the pillow and therefore told him everything look here he said in this handkerchief is some pillow that the princess sent me this morning in the name of her deceased uncle it is saturated with poison thank heaven i discovered it in time oh brother who could have done this thing 
who is there that entertains enmity against you the princess gulliser listen the next time you go to see her i entreat you to take some snow with you and just before seeing the princess put a little of it into both your eyes it will provoke tears and gulliser would ask you why you are crying tell her that you weep for the loss of your friend who died suddenly this morning look take too this wine and this shovel and when you have feigned intense grief at the death of your friend bid the princess to drink a little of the wine it is strong and will immediately send her into a deep sleep then while she is asleep heat the shovel and mark her back with it remember to bring back the shovel again and also to take her pearl necklace this done return now fear not to execute these instructions because on the fulfillment of them depends your fortune and happiness i will arrange that your marriage with the princess shall be accepted by the king her father and all the court the prince promised that he would do everything as the vizier's son had advised him and he kept his promise the following night on the return of the prince from his visit to gulliser he and the vizier's son taking the horses and the bags of myrrh went to a graveyard about a mile or so distant it was arranged that the vizier's son should act the part of a fakir and the prince the part of the fakir's disciple and servant in the morning when gulliser had returned to her senses she felt a sporting pain in her back and noticed that her pearl necklace was gone she went at once and informed the king of the loss of her necklace but saying nothing to him about the pain in her back the king was very angry when he heard of the death and caused proclamation concerning it to be made throughout all the city and surrounding country it is well said the vizier's son when he heard of this proclamation fear not my brother but go and take this necklace and try to sell it in the bazaar the prince took it to a goldsmith and asked him to buy it how much do you want for it asked the man fifty thousand rupees the prince replied all right said the man wait here while i go and fetch the money the prince waited and waited till at last the goldsmith returned and with him the coat wall who at once took the prince into custody on the charge of stealing the princess's necklace how did you get the necklace the coat wall asked a fakir whose servant i am gave it to me to sell in the bazaar the prince replied permit me and i will show you where he is the prince directed the coat wall and the policeman to the place where he had left the vizier's son and there they found the fakir with his eyes shut and engaged in a prayer presently when he had finished his devotions the coat wall asked him to explain how he obtained possession of the princess's necklace call the king hither he replied and then i will tell his majesty face to face on this some men went to the king and told him what the fakir had said his majesty came and seeing the fakir so solemn and earnest in his devotions he was afraid to rouse his anger 
lest peradventure the displeasure of heaven should descend upon him and so he placed his hands together in an attitude of a supplicant and asked how did you get my daughter's necklace last night replied the fakir we were sitting here by this tomb worshipping kuda when a gao dressed as a princess came and assumed a body that had been buried a few days ago and began to eat it on seeing this i was filled with anger and beat her back with a shovel which lay on the fire at the time while running away from me her necklace got loose and dropped you wonder at these words but they are not difficult to prove examine your daughter and you will find the marks of the burn on her back go and if it is as i say send the princess to me and i will punish her the king went to the palace and at once ordered the princess back to be examined it is so said the maid servants the burn is there then let the girl be slain immediately the king shouted no no your majesty they replied let us send her to the fakir who discovered this thing that he may do whatever he wishes with her the king agreed and so the princess was taken to the graveyard let her be shut up in a cage and be kept near the grave whence she took out the corpse said the fakir this was done and in a little while the fakir and his disciple and the princess was left alone in the graveyard night had not long cast its dark mantle over the scene when the fakir and his disciple threw off their disguise and taking their horses and luggage appeared before the cage they released the princess rubbed some ointment over the scars on her back and then sat her upon one of the horses behind the prince away they rode fast and far and by the morning they were able to rest and talk over their plans in safety the vizier's son showed the princess some of the poison pilaw that she had sent him and asked whether she had repented for her ingratitude the princess wept and acknowledged that he was her greatest helper and friend a letter was sent to the chief vizier telling him of all that had happened to the prince and the vizier's son since they had left their country when the vizier read the letter he went and informed the king the king caused a reply to be sent to the two exiles in which he ordered them not to return but to send a letter to Colossus's father and inform him of everything accordingly they did this the prince wrote the letter at the vizier's son's dictation on reading the letter Golazar's father was much enraged with his viziers and other officials for not discovering the presence in his countries of these illustrious visitors as he was especially anxious to ingratiate himself in the favor of the prince and the vizier's son he ordered the execution of some of the viziers on a certain date come he wrote back to the vizier's son and stay at the palace and if prince desires it i will arrange for his marriage with gulliser as soon as possible the prince and the vizier's son most gladly accepted the invitation
and received a right noble welcome from the king. The marriage soon took place, and then after a few weeks the king gave them presents of horses and elephants, and jewels and rich cloths, and bade them start for their own land, for he was sure that the king would now receive them. The night before they left the viziers and others, whom the king intended to have executed as soon as his visitors had left, came and besought the vizier's son to plead for them, and promised that they each would give him a daughter in marriage. He agreed to do so, and they succeeded in obtaining their pardon. Then the prince, with his beautiful bride Galazar, and the vizier's son, attended by a troop of soldiers, and a large number of camels and horses, bearing very much treasure, left for their own land. In the midst of the way they passed the tower of the robbers. With the help of the soldiers, they raised it to the ground, slew all its inmates, and seized the treasure which they had been amassing there for several years. At length they reached their own country, and when the king saw his son's beautiful wife and his magnificent retinue, he was at once reconciled, and ordered him to enter the city and take up his abode there. Henceforth, all was sunshine on the path of the prince. He became a great favorite, and in due time succeeded to the throne, and ruled the country for many, many years in peace and happiness. End of The Ivory City and Its Fairy Princess Recording by Nikki 504